Section 7 of In Vino Veritas from Stages on Life's Way by Soren Kierkegaard. Translated by Lee M. Hollander, 1880 to 1972. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 7 Judge William and His Wife they rose from the table it needed but a hint from constantine for the participants understood each other with military precision whenever there was a question of face or turn about with his invisible baton of command elastic like divining rod in his hand constantine once more touched them in order to call forth in them a fleeting reminiscence of the banquet and the spirit of enjoyment which had prevailed before but was now in some measure submerged through the intellectual effort of the speeches in order that the note of glad festivity which had disappeared might by way of resonance return once more among the guests in a brief moment of recollection he saluted with his full glass as a signal of parting emptying it and then fling it against the door in the rear wall the others followed his example consummating this symbolic action with all the solemnity of adepts justice was thus done the pleasure of stopping short that royal pleasure which though briefer yet is more liberating than any other pleasure with a libation this pleasure ought to be entered upon with a libation of flinging one's glass into destruction and oblivion and tearing oneself passionately away from every memory as if it were a danger to one's life this libation is to the gods of the netherworld one breaks off and strength is needed to do that greater strength than to suffer a knot by a sword blow for the difficulty of the knot tends to arouse one's passion but the passion required for breaking off must be of one's own making in a superficial sense the result is of course the same but from an artistic point of view there is a world of difference between something ceasing or simply coming to an end and it being broken off by one's own free will whether it is a mere occurrence or a passionate decision whether it is all over like a school song because there is no more to it or whether it is terminated by the caesarean operation of one's own pleasure whether it is a triviality everyone has experienced or the secret which escapes most constantine's flinging his beaker against the door was intended merely as a symbolic rite nevertheless his doing so was in a way a decisive act for when the last glass was shattered the door opened and just as he who presumptuously knocked at death's door and on its opening beheld the powers of annihilation so the banqueters beheld the core of destruction ready to demolish everything a memento which in an instant put them to flight from that place while at the very same moment the entire surroundings had been reduced to the semblance of ruin a carriage stood ready at the door at constantine's invitation they seated themselves in it and drove away in good spirits for that tableau of destruction which they left behind had given their souls fresh elasticity after having covered a distance of several miles a halt was made here constantine took his leave as host informing them that five carriages were at their disposal each one was free to suit his own pleasure and drive wherever he wanted 
whether alone or in company with whomsoever he pleased thus a rocket propelled by the force of the powder ascends at a single shot remains collected for an instant in order then to spread out to all the winds while the horses were being hitched to the carriages the nocturnal banqueters strolled a little way down the road the fresh air of the morning purified their hot blood with its coolness and they gave themselves up to it entirely their forms and the groups in which they ranged themselves made a fantastic impression on me for when the morning sun shines on field and meadow and on every creature which in the night found rest and strength to rise up jubilating with the sun in this there is only a pleasing mutual understanding but a nightly company viewed by the morning light and in smiling surroundings makes a downright uncanny impression it makes one think of spooks which have been surprised by daylight of subterranean spirits which are unable to regain the crevice through which they may vanish because it is visible only in the dark of unhappy creatures in whom the difference between day and night has become obliterated through the monotony of their sufferings a footpath led them through a small patch of field toward a garden surrounded by a hedge from behind whose concealment a modest summer cottage peeped forth the end of the garden toward the field there was an arbor formed by trees becoming aware of people being in the arbor they all grew curious and with the spying glances of men bent on observation the besiegers closed in about that pleasant place of concealment hiding themselves and as eager as emissaries of the police about to take some one by surprise like emissaries of the police well to be sure their appearance made the misunderstanding possible that it was they whom the minions of the law might be looking for for each one had occupied a point of vantage for peeping in when victor drew back a step and said to his neighbor why dear me if that is not judge william and his wife they were surprised not the two whom the foliage concealed and who were all too deeply concerned with their domestic enjoyment to be observers they felt themselves too secure to believe themselves an object of any one's observation excepting the morning suns which took pleasure in looking into them whilst a gentle zephyr moved the boughs above them and the reposefulness of the countryside as well as all things around them girded the little arbor about them with peace the happy married couple was not surprised and noticed nothing they were a married couple was clear enough one could perceive that at a glance alas if one is something of an observer oneself even if nothing in the wide world nothing whether overtly or covertly if nothing i say threatens to interfere with the happiness of lovers yet they are not thus secure when sitting together they are in a state of bliss and yet it is as if there were some power bent on separating them so firmly they clasp one another and yet it is as if there were some enemy present against whom they must defend themselves and yet it is as if they could never become sufficiently reassured not thus married people and not thus that married couple in the arbor how long they had been married however that was not to be determined with certainty to be sure the wife's activity at the tea-table revealed a sureness of hand born of practice but at the same time such almost childlike interest in her occupation as if she were a newly married woman and in that middle condition when she is not as yet 
sure whether marriage is fun or earnest whether being a housewife is a calling or a game or a pastime perhaps she had been married for some longer time but did not generally preside at the tea-table or perhaps did so only out here in the country or did it perhaps only that morning which possibly had a special significance for them who could tell all calculation is frustrated to a certain degree by the fact that every personality exhibits some originality which keeps time from leaving its marks when the sun shines in his summer glory one thinks straight away that there must be some festal occasion at hand that it cannot be so for everyday use or that it is the first time or at least one of the first times for surely one thinks it cannot be repeated for any length of time thus would think he who saw it but once or saw it for the first time and i saw the wife of the justice for the first time he who sees the object in question every day may think differently provided he sees the same thing but let the judge decide about that as i remarked our amiable housewife was occupied she poured boiling water into the cups probably to warm them emptied them again set a cup on a platter poured the tea and served it with sugar and cream now all was ready was it fun or earnest in case a person did not relish tea at other times he should have sat in the judge's place for just then that drink seemed most inviting to me only the inviting air of the lovely woman herself seemed to me more inviting it appeared that she had not had time to speak until then now she broke the silence and said while serving him his tea quick now dear and drink while it is hot the morning air is quite cool anyway and surely the least i can do for you is to be a little careful of you the least the judge answered laconically yes or the most or the only thing the judge looked at her inquiringly and whilst he was helping himself she continued you interrupted me yesterday when i wished to broach the subject but i have thought about it again many times i have thought about it and now particularly you know yourself in reference to whom it is certainly true that if you hadn't married you would have been far more successful in your career with his cup still on the platter the judge sipped a first mouthful with visible enjoyment thoroughly refreshed or was it perchance the joy over his lovely wife i for my part believe it was the latter she however seemed only to be glad that it tasted so good to him then he put down his cup on the table at his side took out a cigar and said may i light it at your chafing dish certainly she said and handed him a live coal on a teaspoon he lit his cigar and put his arm about her waist whilst she leaned against his shoulder he turned his head the other way to blow out the smoke and then he let his eye rest on her with a devotion such as only a glance can reveal yet he smiled but this glad smile had in it a dash of sad irony finally he said do you really believe so my girl what do you mean she answered he was silent again his smile gained the upper hand but his voice remained quite serious nevertheless then i pardon you your previous folly seeing that you yourself have forgotten it so quickly thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh what great career should i have had his wife seemed embarrassed for a moment by this return but collected her wits quickly and now explained her meaning with 
womanly eloquence the judge looked down before him without interrupting her but as she continued he began to drum on the table with the fingers of his right hand at the same time humming a tune the words of the song were audible for a moment just as the pattern of a texture now becomes visible now it disappears again and then again they were heard no longer as he hummed the tune of the song the goodman he went to the forest to cut the wand so white after this melodramatic performance consisting in the justice's wife explaining herself whilst he hummed his tune the dialogue set in again i am thinking he remarked i am thinking you are ignorant of the fact that the danish law permits a man to castigate his wife a pity only that the law does not indicate on which occasions it is permitted his wife smiled at his threat and continued now why can i never get you to be serious when i touch on this matter you do not understand me believe me i mean it sincerely it seems to me a very beautiful thought of course if you weren't my husband i would not dare to entertain it but now i have done so for your sake and for my sake and now be nice and serious for my sake and answer me frankly no you cannot get me to be serious and a serious answer you won't get i must either laugh at you or make you forget it as before or beat you or else you must stop talking about it or i shall have to make you keep silent about it some other way you see it is a joke and that is why there are so many ways out he arose pressed a kiss on her brow laid her arm in his and then disappeared in the leafy walk which led from the arbor the arbor was empty there was nothing else to do so the hostile corps of occupation withdrew without making any gains still the others were content with uttering some malicious remarks the company returned but missed victor he had rounded the corner and in walking along the garden had come up to the country home the doors of a garden room facing the lawn were open and likewise a window very probably he had seen something which attracted his attention he leaped into the window and leaped out again just as the party were approaching for they had been looking for him triumphantly he held up some papers in his hand and exclaimed one of the judge's manuscripts seeing that i edited his other works it is no more than my duty that i should edit this one too he put it into his pocket or rather he was about to do so for as he was bending his arm and already his hand with the manuscript halfway down in his pocket i managed to steal it from him but who then am i let no one ask if it hasn't occurred to you before to ask about it i am over the difficulty for now the worst is behind me for that matter i am not worth asking about for i am the least of all things people would put me in utter confusion by asking about me i am pure existence and therefore smaller almost than nothing i am pure existence which is present everywhere but still is never noticed for i am ever vanishing i am like the line above which stands the summa summarum who cares about the line but by my own strength i can accomplish nothing for even the idea to steal the manuscript from victor was not my own idea for this very idea which as a thief would say induced me to borrow the manuscript was borrowed from him and now when editing this manuscript i am again nothing at all for it rightly belongs to the judge and as editor i am 
in my nothingness only a kind of nemesis on victor who imagined that he had the prescriptive right to do so end of section seven end of in vino veritas from stages on life's way by soren kierkegaard translated by lee m hollander eighteen eighty through nineteen seventy two